Okay, so um, I want to try something a little bit different this week. So usually, uh, you know, we schmooze a little bit at something about the parsha, more focus on the parsha. So I, I think today we'll, we'll, we'll use something in the parsha as a launching pad to talk about something a little bit more, more general. You know, when a person, you know, whenever you learn Gemara or Halacha, um, you know, you go through, let's say, whatever the topic might be, you learn a Mishnah, and the Mishnah will say, you know, about a particular case, Rabbi Kiva says this way, Rabbi Shmuel says that way. Uh, you know, in the Gemara, Bayez says this way, Rabbi says that way, Ramayusha Feinstein holds this way, Rishon Zaman Arbach goes the other way. Disagreements, as the Tarsh is full of. And we usually, and it wouldn't be, you wouldn't blame anyone for thinking that certainly the, the topics that these Sadiqim are thinking about and involved in are holy topics. But at the end of the day, Rabbi Kiva was a human being and he's using his intellect and his mind, you know, he comes to a certain conclusion about a particular case. And Rabbi Shmuel is using his human intellect and comes to a different conclusion, just like anyone that disagrees with people about whatever the topic might be. The topics are significant, but the, um, the, the dynamic of people disagreeing and coming up with different conclusions, that's true in every field of, uh, of human intellectual pursuit. Torah is no different than that. But the truth is, in Ratzadik we find that uh, that's, it's not true. Rav Tzadik writes this in a number of places, his big principle in his writings, is that every single opinion that we find in Chazal is not coming from just, you know, Rabbi Kiva wakes up, he says, you know what, I feel it should go this way. The opinion that we find in Chazal, whether it be in, in the Gemara, or all the way down to Tzadikim of our generation, it's coming from the very root of their Nisham. Everything, for example, Abayah said, and we have recorded from Abaya, weren't just random things that he thought of. These are coming from the very root of Abaya's soul. And everything that Rava says is coming from the very root of who Rava was in his soul. And that's why they disagree, is because Abaya's neshama is coming from a certain aspect of divinity, and Rava's neshama is coming from a different place in Elokos. And it's coming from the neshama. So what I want to do for just the next few minutes is give an example of that, based on something in the parasha, an example of Rav and Shmuel. We know these are two big personalities in the Gemara. Rav and Shmuel, they always disagree with each other. They're one of the oldest of the Amaroyim, Rav and Shmuel. Rav, in fact, he was from Eretz Yisrael originally. Shmuel was not. Uh, we'll talk about that soon, Bez Hashem. But Rav and Shmuel were the, really the first ones to establish the major yeshivas in Bavel. So all of the Amaroyim of Talmud Bavli ultimately, ultimately traced the roots back to be students of Rav and Shmuel. And Rav and Shmuel disagreed about uh, pretty much everything. It's always, you know, every, Gemara, every page of Gemara, Rav and Shmuel. So <clears throat> let's give an example of a number of different disagreements about Rav and Shmuel and to show how they're all coming, how essentially boiled down to one particular point. And, the, and this point depends on the neshama of Rav and the neshama of Shmuel. Just to show, and again, I think the chizik that you get from this type of learning is that you see it's not random. It's not random. When tzaddikim say something, it's not random. It's coming from the very essence of who they are. Okay, so begin like this. In the, in the, in the parsha, so the Pasuk says, again, it's talking about uh, the Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt, and so it says in Pasuk, Vayaka melech hadash al Mitzrayim, asher lo yada as Yosef, that a new pharaoh, new pharaoh rose in Egypt that didn't know who Yosef was, and the passage continues, and the Jewish people were moaning and groaning. The slavery became in, in, in much worse from this after that verse of there's a new Pharaoh. So Rashi brings down from the Gemara, 
Rav Ushmul. That's Machlekes between Rav and Shmuel. What does it mean, that Pasuk, a new king? What does it mean, a new king? Rav, the, the, the Gemara in fact doesn't say who says who, but the tradition is that it says Rav and Shmuel, and then it says opinion, the first opinion, the second opinion, it follows that pattern of Rav and Shmuel. So the way it's like this. The Gemara says, Rav and Shmuel. It's Machlekes Rav and Shmuel, what does the Pasuk mean? Rav says, Chadash Mamash. That it means literally, a new king. The old pharaoh start, that started enslaving the Jewish people died, and that was a new king. That's what it means, Mel Chadash. Shmuel says no. Shmuel says it doesn't mean a new king, literally. It means Nishad Shugzeiraisav, that he renewed, he intensified the slavery, and that's why the Pasuk then follows, and the Jewish people are moaning and groaning. Why are they moaning and groaning all of a sudden? Because, Vayakam Mel Chadash, because the old pharaoh, not, it's not a new pharaoh, the old pharaoh, what reinstated and, 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 and sort of doubled down on the decree of slavery. That's the Machlagas Rav and Shmuel. Now, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I'll give a number of examples of this. Lubavitcher Rebbe said, it's, a, it's one of the sikhs that we have from him, that he said that this is not just a random Machlagas between Rav and Shmuel. This is um, symptomatic in a good way. This is reflective of a fundamental Machlagas between Rav and Shmuel in terms of how they look at Chumash, how they read Chumash. Rav is of the opinion that when you learn Chumash, you should focus primarily on the individual words. Just the individual words by themselves. Without looking at the larger context and larger story, just focus in on the simple meaning of those words that are right in front of you. That was Rav's philosophy in terms of learning. Focus in on the specific thing that's in front of you, just the words themselves. Shmuel was of a different opinion. Shmuel focused not on the specific words in front of him, but on the larger picture, the larger story that's trying to be presented with those words. So in this case, when you isolate these words, you just focus in on that Pasuk, a new king, a new pharaoh rose in Egypt. So Rav, that focuses in on the word, says, what does it mean? It means a new king. There's no reason to think otherwise. A new king means a new king. The old king died, and it's a new king. That's Rav's philosophy, that he hones in on these specific words. But Shmuel doesn't learn like that. Shmuel takes a step back and looks at the general picture and the storyline that's trying to be spoken about over here. And Shmuel therefore sees, says like this, I'm not just isolating this Pasuk. The larger context is, a new Pharaoh arises, and the Jewish people are moaning and groaning, and it's getting worse. So from the context of the larger story that's trying to be conveyed, the storyline... So then Shmuel says, okay, so when it says a new king, in the, in the larger context of the story being told, it must mean not a new king literally, but a king that renewed and doubled down on the slavery, and that's why the next, the next Pasuk says, and the Jewish people are moaning and groaning. So that's what the, Rab, the Rebbe said, that Rav the focus is on the isolating this Pasuk, just the words themselves, and Shmuel is looking at more of the story. And there's a number of examples we have this. Again, also, Machlagas and Rav and Shmuel, in terms of how to reap Sukkim. A few other examples. In a, couple, a few parashas ago, you have the story of Yosef, right? You follow this idea? Good, yeah? So Yosef goes into, uh, Yosef with the wife of Potiphar, she's, she's you know, tempting him and seducing him, and he keeps on refusing, no, 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 no. Until finally, it says in Pasuk, that one day, Vayovo habaisa lasas malachto, that Yosef goes into the house of Potiphar, the, uh, the estate, to do his work. And then the Pasuk continues, and no one else was there, it was just the wife, and then she really uh, like attacks him, and he runs it. The whole the whole story. This machlagas Rav and Shmuel. What does that mean that Yosef went in to do his work? What work? What does that mean? Rav says malachto mamish. It means 
You did the work. I don't know. You had to do some cleaning, do some paperwork, whatever. Work. Shmuel says, no, no, no. Shmuel says what it means is he went in to, to he, he had a moment of weakness and he went in to go be with, uh, with Aisha's Potiphar. Said the rabbi, where's the machlok is coming from? Also, this idea. Rav hones in on the Pasuk by itself. Isolate that Pasuk. Yosef went in to do his work. What does it mean? Work. He's, he's a worker. He did his work. But Shmuel says, no, no, look at the larger story. The larger story is that Yosef is constantly refusing this woman. So if you think about it, why in the world would Yosef go into the house, even if he has some paperwork to do, why would he do that if it's just the woman there? He's getting himself into trouble. So says Shmuel, so it must be, in the larger context of the story, it makes sense that it must be at a moment of weakness, and he went in to do an Aver. So that's the Machlag is Rav and Shmuel. Another example. It says in the Megillus Esther, right? That uh, is the king. He's ruling from Hodu until Kush, 127 provinces. Yeah. So there's Machlagis, Rav and Shmuel. What does it mean Hodu until Kush? Where are these places? Rav says Hodu is on one side of the civilized world, and Kush is also in the other. And it's saying that Achashverosh rules from one end of the world until the other. Shmuel says no, no, no. Shmuel says no, no. Hodu and Kush are actually right next to each other. And the Pasuk is trying to say that just as Ahasuerus controlled that small space of Hodu and Kush, so too he controlled his entire empire. Said the Rabbah, it's based on this idea. If you just isolate that Pasuk, that Ahasuerus ruled from Hodu until Kush, Rav isolates that Pasuk, and what does it mean if you isolate it, if you just look at it in a vacuum? It means from one end of the empire to the other, that's Hodu until Kush. But says Shmuel, Shmuel says, take a look at the larger context. The larger context is that the following words are 127 provinces. So the Pasuk anyway says that, he, that his empire is huge. So what's being added by this point of Hodun Tilkush? So says Shmuel, what it must be trying to add is not the size of the empire, but his control over the empire. So again, Rav isolates the Pasuk, and if you isolate it, the Pasuk on a simple level is just saying the size of the empire. But from the larger Pasuk, larger storyline, which we already know he had a large empire from the following Pasuk, that it's 127 provinces, so then Shmuel says, from the larger storyline, you look back at this Pasuk, and you say that it must be referring to not the size of the empire, but the, but the uh, control that he had. Another example. It says regarding Avram Avinu, Vayita Eishel, it says in Pasuk that Avram Avinu planted an Eishel, and he would call the following Pasuk, and he would use that place of the Eishel to, to be Makarev, to, he would call in the name of Hashem to bring people, no, it was needed, but bring people under under the canopy of Hashem. What does it mean, Eishel? You planted it, what does that mean? So Rav, is Rav and Shmuel. Rav says, Eishel means a tree. It means a tree. He planted an orchard, he planted a, a tree, and that's, and that's what the Pasuk means. Shmuel says, no, no, no. Shmuel says it doesn't mean a tree. It means he set up a hotel. And the word Eishel is, is Rosh Tevis. It's an acronym for Achila, Shesia, Lina. Eating, drinking, and sleeping. He set up a hotel. What's the conflict? So it says the rabbi the same thing. If you isolate the words, Vayita Eishel, he planted. And Eishel, planting, always means something about a tree. So if you just isolate the plastic by itself, Rav is right. It means a tree. But says Shmuel, I don't look at the word by itself. I look at the storyline. And the storyline is telling you that this was a place that Avraham Avinu used to be Makar of people. That, the way to do that is by setting up a hotel that people will then engage in, conversation, eating, drinking, for bringing, you'll figure, you know, and you'll use that as a Kirv ploy. From the larger storyline, it must be that looking back at Vita Eishel doesn't mean a tree, it means a, a whole estate, a whole, uh, 
a whole uh, hotel situation. So again, all boiling down to the same Nakuda, that the fundamental machlek of Rav and Shmuel is, how do you read Chumash? Rav focuses in on the words that are in front of you, not so much focusing on the storyline and the general message that's trying to be given, just the words in front of you, that's Rav. And Shmuel is not like that. Shmuel doesn't look at the words per se, he looks at more of the concept, the story that's trying to be expressed through these words, and from the storyline, he'll then go back to figure out what the individual words mean. You follow? That's the Machlechus between Rav and Shmuel. That's the Rav said. Okay, Adkan. Where is this coming from? I said from Rav Tzadik, when you find in Chazal a disagreement between Amaroim, especially like a fundamental one in terms of like how do you read Chumash? Like what's the, how do you engage in Tanakh? Are you, are you word-oriented or are you storyline-oriented? So it's got to be something coming from a deep place. So let's investigate who are Rav and Shmuel. Who were these people? So in Talmud Bavli, in, uh, we have a, 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 the, Rav is always called Rav. He's called Rav. But the truth is, even in, in Bavli, we find this, that that wasn't his real name. That was not his real name. He was called Rav. It was a title. It was a title. It was Rav. It means Rebbe. It was a title. What was his actual name? His name was Abba. That was his real name. That was his real name. And you find this in a few places that when Shmuel actually talks to Rav and they have conversations, Shmuel would call Rav, not by his title, Rav. They were colleagues. Shmuel called him Abba. Specifically, he would call him Abba Aricha, tall Abba. Because Rav was, uh, the tradition is that he was very, very tall. So he was called Abba, that was his real name, Abba Aricha. Okay. Now, as I said also, Rav was not from Bavl originally. He was originally from Eretz Yisrael. Not only that, Rav, not only was he from Eretz Yisrael, Rav was also extremely, extremely old. Rav had a very, very long life. So much so, that here's the tradition. We know that the Gemara mentions this in a few places, that Rav, of all the Tanoim, of all the Amaroyim, has the right to disagree with Tanoim. We know that there's a general rule. Tanoim, the Chachamim of the Mishnah, and Amaroyim, Chacham of the Gemara, they don't disagree with each other. If a Mishnah or a Brisa says something, then the Amaroyim will just back off. Only one exception to that is Rav. Rav, we find this, not too often, but often enough, Rav will have the confidence to disagree with the Tana. Why? The answer is, is because Rav was so old that although he was in the period of the Amaroyim and he established the great, one of the, with Shmuel, established the great yeshivas in Bavel, but Rav was also one of the students of Rabbi Yudanasi. So when Rabbi Yudanasi wrote the Mishnayis, Rav was there. Rav was there. And so even though he was one of the younger students of Rabbi Yudanasi, but he was there, so on some level, he's like a shtikl tana, he's a small tana, and therefore he has the confidence to disagree with Tanaim later on. But Rav's history goes even earlier than that. There's a, we have a sefer from the Chida, Chaim Yisdavar Azulai, called the Shem Hakdailim. It's a, it's a couple volumes where he goes through um, all the tzaddikim, different svarim, and little biographical sketches. And this is what he writes for Rav. The tradition we have is that, again, Rav's real name was Abba. In the Zara Kaddish, in the Zohar Kaddish, which is already before Rabbi Yudanasi, we have amongst the Chavra of the Zohar, of Rabbi Shem he had about 10 Iker Talmidim, among them his own son, Rabbi Lazar, and one of the great students of Rabbi Shem in the Zohar was someone by the name of Rabbi Abba. Okay? This Rabbi Abba was not just Tamad Talmud, he was chosen to be the one to actually write the Zohar. The, the Zohar says that Rabbi Shem would teach, Rabbi Lazar, with his son, would, would review it with the rest of the Chavra, and Rabbi Abba was one to record it in writing. That was Rabbi Abba. 
writes the Chida, that Rabbi was none other than Rav himself. Which means, and the Chida points out, that the, the, the evolution, so to speak, or the, the, ed, the educational progression of Rav in his lifetime was that the first thing he learned was Kabbalah, by Rishon Baruchai. That's the first time in Chazal that we have Rav emerging as someone of significance in the world of Kabbalah. After that time of him being Rav Abba with Rishon Baruchai learning Zayar, the next time we see him emerge on the scene is with Rabbi Danasi learning Halacha as one of the Talmidim of Rabbi Danasi, which means that the path of, of, of Rav is what? Is primarily Kabbalah. That's the first, that's the beginning, that's his foundation as Rabbi Abba and the Zayar. And from a Kabbalah, that's that foundation, then he also became the unbelievable great genius in Halacha too. But his, his, uh, his first love, Rav's first love was Kabbalah. That's what the Chidah writes. This is all Rav. Shmuel is the parallel opposite of it. And throughout Bavli, you'll find this, that Rav and Shmuel, it's very interesting, Rav and Shmuel shared many of the same students. Right? You, had, you would have Talmidim that learned by Rav, and then they would go learn by Shmuel. One of the Talmidim that, that was in both uh, base medrashes of Rav and Shmuel was Rav Yehuda. It's uh, one of the Amarayim, Rav Yehuda. You're very often in the Gemara, you'll find, Am Rav Yehuda, Am Rav. The Rav Yudah says something in the name of Rav, and very often you'll find Amr Rav Yudah Amr Shmuel, because Rav Yudah learned in both. What's interesting is, is that throughout Shas, when the, 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 we have a few statements, a handful of statements in the Gemara from Rav Yudah, which is very much pro-Kabbalah, and talking about how it's necessary to get involved in Pneumius and to think about God, not just the Halacha, those are always Amr Rav Yudah Amr Rav. And then you have other statements of Rabbi Yudah in the Gemara, which is more focused on, okay, listen, Kabbalah is nice, it's all nice stuff, but Lamaisa, Lamaisa, you have to learn halach. And that's always Amr Rav Yudah, Amr Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel are coming from two different places, Bechlal. Rav is coming from a perspective, even in his halacha, is coming from a prism of Kabbalah. Because his first and foremost, his first learning was Kabbalah. He was first Rabbi Abba by Rav Shem and then he's Rav in the Gemara. Shmuel is coming from the opposite place. Shmuel is someone who's primarily, uh, his focus of attention was halacha first and foremost. And it's coming, his nigla versus nisr is a different perspective. This is why, by the way, even in, in halacha, there's a tradition we have that hilchasa kirav bi suri, shmuel bedini. The tradition we have is that when Rav and Shmuel disagree with each other about iser veheter, about like Yeridea stuff, whether something's kosher, whether something's treif, whether something's tameh, whether something's tahar, that stuff, we go with Rav, primarily. When Rav and Shmuel are disagreeing, though, about monetary issues, chesh and mishpat, we go with Shmuel. Why? See, monetary stuff, it's all human. That's very, very human. What does it say in Chumash about... There's, no, there, there's very few guidelines in Chumash in terms of chesh and mishpat. Chesh and mishpat is what makes sense as far as human intuition is concerned. Between the two of them, Rav and Shmuel, who's more expert in human stuff? Shmuel. But when you're talking about Iser Vehetr, you're talking about Kashras, you're talking about Mikvah, you're talking about Hilchas Nida, you're talking about things which are not human. These are halachas that are fundamentally 
spiritual spiritual based and spiritually inclined, not human and yonim, not uh, who stole who, how much money did you owe the guy because you stole or he, did he not steal it? We're talking about mikveh, even though when it's it's halacha, but it's halachas about things that are more spiritually oriented. The halacha is like Rav. That's what's going on between Rav between Rav and Shmuel. So let's go back to this fundamental machlag. It's between Rav and Shmuel. The Rebbe pointed out, how do you learn chumash? Do you learn chumash focused on the words? Or do you learn chumash more focused on the storyline, the information trying to be transmitted through the words? Shmuel is of the opinion that the main focus is not the words. The focus is the information, that the story that's being told to you with the words. But Rav says, no, no, no. Rav says the words themselves, just focus in on the words, regardless of the larger context, the larger story. Because here's the Nakuda. When you look at Torah simply from a Nigla perspective, a Shmuel perspective, then what's the point? The point is information. The point is, when I'm reading uh, Parsha Shmois, the idea is that there's a story that's trying to, information trying to be told to me through the Parsha, and that's the point. So then, so says Shmuel, from that perspective of the human being Nigla, that perspective, it's all about understandable information. How much do I understand? So it's about the storyline. It's about the, the, the concepts that are trying to be conveyed. And that's going to be, and my perspective is going to be based on that. So if I have a particular word and I don't know what the word means, Shmuel says, well, look at the larger story. Look at the larger, in, like, what's the context? What's the, what's the storyline trying to tell you with that? And from there, you'll figure out what the word means. But that's all nigla. Al Pisoid, according to Kabbalah, that's not why you're learning to learn more human information. The, from a, from a, a panemistic perspective, the letters of Torah themselves are divine. And it happens to be that the letters of Torah, when it makes its way down to planet Earth, it's divided up and read in a way that the human mind can comprehend it. But it's well known that the Ramban writes in his introduction to Chomish that this version of Torah that we have with the letters being broken down in sentences that we can make sense of, that's only the, the lowest version of Torah. But the highest version of Torah are also the same letters, but not broken down in those words. All the letters of, of Torah, says the Ramban, are divine names. It's one long flow of divine names. And the essential function, the purpose of learning in a, from a Kabbalah perspective, is not about the information, it's not about the story. It's about connecting yourself to the divine names of Tyre, which is fundamentally connected to the letters themselves. So this is the point. When you have the, let, the words of Tyre, from a panemius perspective, the letters themselves is the point. The point is to be makashi yourself, to bind yourself with the letters of Tyra, because the letters of Tyra, even though your human brain will read it as a story, but your nesham is connecting to these letters, and these letters are not just a story. In its highest place, these are all just divine names, and you are just connecting yourself to divinity by connecting yourself to letters of Tyra. Happens to be, the letters of Tyra, when they make their way down to planet Earth, they then they then are able, they're, they're then expressing a story as well. And so this is what's going on over here. From a perspective of Nigla, just from a human perspective, seeing the Torah with human eyes, then what's the Torah about? Stories. It's about trying to say over messages. And so therefore says Shmuel, when you're learning Chomish, what's your main focus? Your main focus is, what is the message? What's the story? What's the concept that's being conveyed to me? And I'm going to use that as my reference point to figure out what the words mean in particular. But that's all because Shmuel is coming from the world of Nigla. 
the halach is like Shmuel in monetary stuff. But Rav, who originates as Rav Abba, who's seeing everything from a lens of Rav Shem Baruchai, his perspective of Torah is completely different. His perspective of Torah is that the point is not the story. The point is that by learning the story, you're connecting yourself to these letters because these letters are of divine origin. And these letters, whether your brain computes it as a story or not, these letters are saturated with divinity, and that's the point. Therefore, when Rav lo- lo- looks at Chumash, the storyline is secondary. The point are, are, the, are the, the letters and the words themselves in a vacuum. That's the point. So even when he's interpreting Chumash, he's going to be interpreting it from that place of just isolating the words and looking at them by themselves. The, 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 the larger storyline is secondary to that. Whereas in Shmuel's world, no, 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 the storyline is the main point. The letters are second. The letters are there to convey the story. Whereas in Rav's world, no, no, the main thing is the story. Uh, the main thing is the letters, I'm sorry. The story is there to connect us to the letters. And that's what's going on over these two worlds. No, what's the point of all of this? The point is, is that when you learn Gemara, you learn Mishnais, or you uh, learn Halacha, or you hear a Psak from Ramesha Feinstein, these are things that are coming from a very, very high place. They're coming, they're, the Halacha and every word of Chazal is emanating from the very root of who these people were. These are not small things. And so when we learn, it's about connecting ourselves to these neshamas and having the amuna in Sadiqim and the amuna that the Rabbani Shalom conveys his uh, essence and his knowledge through these Sadiqim. And it means also that when a person learns Chumash or anything, you know, you have to make a choice. Are you going to be a Shmuel Dekiyid or a Rav Dekiyid? And both are holy. Both are holy. 100%. A Shmuel Dekiyid is going to be focused primarily on what is the information I'm trying to glean from this learning because that's the point. But a Rav Dikiyid is going to say, of course I'm trying to learn information. But that's the way through which I'm bonding myself with the words. The point is the words. And the story that I'm learning is the glue to connect me to the words. It's not the main point. The point is the words themselves. That, that's also why by every Shabbos when you have Kriya Satyra, right? So Kriya Satyra is an opportunity that if you're a Shmuel Dikiyid, it might be hard to connect to Kriya Satyra, right? Because, okay, it's like, you know, it's going so quickly, you're not really learning, you're not paying attention, whatever. But if you're a Rav Dikiyid, it's an unbelievable time of just connecting yourself to the sound, to the tune of Torah, to the words of Torah. Just let it flow over you. Because the main thing in Torah, according to Rav, that perspective of Hashem Baichai, the Rav Abba, is what? Is that it's about the words and his kashas. That's why, just to end off, that's why, or maybe that's why, Rav was tall. Aricha. The, the fact that he's called Abba Aricha doesn't just mean physically that he was literally like stretched out, he's tall, he's long. But Aricha also means that Rab Abba's perspective of Torah was that it starts in heaven and it, and, it, and it stretches all the way down here to planet Earth. It's not just earthly. It's something that's very tall. Torah is very tall. It's a sulam, it's like a ladder whose feet are on the ground, but his head is in heaven. So Rab Abba, who's that Indian of beginning with Kabbalah and Halacha coming from that perspective, He's Abba, Abba Richa. No, we should to uh, connect to who we are, to connect to Tzadikim Amis, and learn Torah properly, Lishma, Shem Shemayim. All right, Shkaychir,